Merry Christmas. I've been having everybody tell me Merry Christmas and Marshawn Lynch is back. Every person I talk to. Uh, I had an idea. I thought we should hand out Skittles and then we could celebrate by throwing the Skittles at the end. But all the other pastors said that was a terrible idea. I still think it's a good one. Um, man, we're so glad to be here. I'm so glad you chose to share uh, Christmas Eve uh, here at the family at Whitewater. Um, This is a place you can belong before you believe, and our goal is to help every individual take the next step in their spiritual journey so that they become who God has designed them to become. And man, I think God has plans for every single person in this room. So I'm glad you're here. Um, My name's George. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I grew up in Bellingham, uh, Washington. I remember when I was, I think it was early high school, I went with a youth uh, group all the way over to Montana big sky country, and um, we brought all these, like half the group were kids who lived in the county and gone camping a ton. The other half were like city kids, uh, most of which had never been in the the wilderness before, had never gone camping, had never been under the stars before. When we got to Montana, we started setting up the camp, and uh, we got the fire pit, and we got, uh, we started getting tents going, and that was probably pretty frustrating for the camp leaders, and because uh, half the, the group had never set up tents before, and they were all ramshackle. But eventually, we got the place set up. Any of you guys gone camping before? We got any campers in here? Okay, we got a few of you. All right, that's awesome. I remember um, when it got dark, like dusk hit, and then because it was in a bighorn area of Montana, there's mountains. And uh, it got dark real early, and all of a sudden it was night before we knew it. And remember, it was warm, so we were laying on our sleeping bags. No, mo- most of the people were outside of their tents, and we were just laying on our sleeping bags, looking up into the night sky. And as the clouds cleared, all of a sudden just the Milky Way and galaxies just opened up in front of us. It was the most beautiful thing. Um, have any of you guys been in a place where there's no light pollution where there's nothing, that, just nothing in the way, and you can just see thousands of stars. And I remember the, the camp counselors, uh, he, he was trying to calm down some of the kids because some of the city kids were like, stars, stars are scary. Stars mean there's bears. Bears are bad, you know, and they're <laughs> like scared out in the wilderness. And he said, no, it's okay. Like, look at that, that star, and that's connected to this constellation. That's the belt of Orion. Some kids had never seen that before. This is the Milky Way, and I, I think we have, yeah, here we are. The, it's just beautiful. It was a lot like this. And, and then, then as he was showing us the constellations, it, he, half the group could see it and half couldn't, but eventually every Everybody, once they really started looking, could put the stars together in their constellations. And it was wonderful. It was gorgeous. Big Dipper, Orion, all of a sudden came out. And he started teaching us a little bit about it. And he said the, the, the constellations and stars have been used by navigators, wayfarers, seafarers, pioneers to navigate. It was a, it was a built-in guidance system. And our world, that, like that video showed, has become so filled with light and cities and uh, screens and tablets that we've almost created our own synthetic constellation so that we're always looking down and never looking up. But in this moment, he was showing us the stars, uh, the guidance system, the North Star that helps people find uh, where they are and where they want to go. And uh, in the story of Jesus, it, it starts, the birth of Jesus starts 
with some outsiders, non-Jewish, the most unexpected group of people who were stargazers, most likely astrologers. They were called wise men or magi. Sometimes we think they're the three wise men. The Bible doesn't actually give us a number of how many. It just says there were a group of them, and they'd traveled probably mile upon mile. And here we enter the story in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. You can read the verses behind me, and you can pull your notes out if you like. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of, of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. This is a big surprise in a story about Jewish people, about a Jewish God, and about the, 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 the king of the Jews starts with these outsider, Gentile, non-Jewish people. In verse 2 it says, They said, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. We saw his star as it rose, and we came to worship him. And look what Herod and the leaders say in, uh, in verse 3. King Herod was super excited about, no, that's not what it says, right? Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as everyone in Jerusalem, all the religious leaders were upset. He was unhappy. Here's a, this, this was a threat to his reign, to his rule. And it's really interesting. We don't know exactly what the star was. We don't, no one fully knows, but there's, there's been scientists and theologians and historians who have put together some hypothesis, and two of them that I think are interesting. The, the first one is, um, in the year 7 BC, there was a, uh, a crossing of two uh, planets, and I don't know if you've ever seen a planet. I remember when we were in Montana, someone was saying, look at that bright star. And the counselor saying, that's actually not a star. That's a planet. It's super close and it's reflecting the light of the sun. And Saturn and Jupiter crossed three times in the year 7 BC. And if you have stars that are close, that are already bright, and they cross or converge, it becomes amazingly bright, like you couldn't miss it. That could have been what happened. It's interesting too. I think it was Jupiter was known as the, uh, the star of royalty. It represented kingly royalty. And then the uh, star Saturn uh, in some places was known as the Jewish star. So it wouldn't be hard for someone, if, if this was what happened, to put together, oh, a royal Jewish king has been born. Something's happening. The other hypothesis is there's a character in the Old Testament named Daniel who was an exiled Jewish leader. As a young man, he was exiled and he was uh, thrown into the Babylonian culture who were their enemies, hated enemies, and he was forced to learn from their schools and uh, astrology, their magicians, the, the, the wisdom of, of the Babylonians, and he was able to maintain his faith while uh, learning in the culture but not accepting all of its values. And is it possible that Daniel, 600 years before Jesus, who was known as a pro- prophetic writer, um, and if you read the last chapter of Daniel, he talks about um, the stars and this guy becoming like stars. Is it possible he wrote on a clay tablet about a star that was going to rise someday that would rep- represent the Jewish king, the son of God that had come to restore and put the world right? We don't know, but here's some of the theories around it. In verse 3 again, Herod was deeply disturbed 
um, when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. And then it goes on to say he, was, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Like, where is this happening? So they, they have a little Bible study, all the religious leaders. In Bethlehem of Judea, they say, after the Bible study, for this is what the prophet wrote in our scriptures. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the, the time that the star first appeared. And, and he wanted to kind of figure out when was this kid born? How old was he? He's trying to find out information because this is a threat to him. Then he told them, go back to, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you found him, come back, tell me, and um, I can go and worship him too. Do you think he really wants to worship him? That's right, we got some sharp kids over here. Herod was lying through his teeth. You ever had someone lie through their teeth to you, lie to your face? Um, you got any family here sitting with you? Don't, don't call them out don't do any of that. But if you ever have someone lie to you, it's just so insulting. And he's got ulterior motives here. In verse 9, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy, and they entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother after this long journey Mary was there and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And they opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, like royal gifts, expensive gifts. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod and Herod and the religious leaders ultimately chased Jesus and his family out of Israel and they had to escape to Egypt in the land of Africa. Now in this story, I want to really, f- I want to focus on these verses. And I, I want to I just dig into uh, one, one main idea, and it's this. To follow Christ, you have to have the eyes to see the constellation of Christ and the heart to become a constellation for Christ. We'll break that in down into just two pieces to, for tonight for us to, break, to, to understand and to look at what, is it, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What can we learn if we, if we kind of take some of the stained glass off of the text and the story that some of us might know so well that we miss some of the, we miss some of like the, the, the magic in it, the, the power of it. Now, the first thing is to know Christ. You have to have eyes to see the constellations of Christ. Now, it, when that camp counselor was explaining the stars, he, he said that the, the constellations became like guidance systems for people. And in the story, we see there's a guidance system that, that the wise men are following. It's interesting that the religious leaders had no clue that a king had been born in their own country. A religious king, a spiritual king, a real king, and they had no clue. But these outsiders knew all about it. Why didn't the religious leaders, whose main job it is to know about religious, spiritual things, right? Would we agree? How did they have no clue about this? 
they weren't looking. They weren't looking. They had their Bible. They had their scriptures. But they weren't looking through the scriptures to see what God was doing in the world. These wise men were. They were alerted to it. And, and I think it's really important to understand that the Bible teaches us that God gives us, as individuals and as people, he gives us constellations. He sends people and circumstances and even dreams and moments that we wouldn't expect. Scripture that maybe our grandma read one time and it was like, why did she read that verse? It keeps haunting me, you know? It was about liars or something. No, I'm just kidding. But this, this thing that she read, it haunts me. And God sends constellations for us to follow him and to guide us to Jesus. The question isn't whether he has sent constellations. The question is whether we see them. And the hardest thing about learning how to see constellation is distinguishing the important stars. Now, in Matthew uh, chapter 2, verse 2, they, the, the wise men say this, we saw his star. We saw it as it rose. It's his star. They were looking for it. And then once they uh, had matched the star with the scriptures, um, did, you, did you notice that? It was like they, they knew generally where the Son of God is, but when the, the, the scriptures and the prophecy about Jesus was read, they, they were able to find exactly where he was. And how cool is it that as Jesus is born, he fulfills a prophecy that he has zero control over. He can't control where he's born, but there's this prophecy about where he's born that's been around for hundreds of years. I don't know about you, but I had zero control over where I was born. Any of you guys have control? There might be a few moms that are like, my kid had control because they came so fast I couldn't get out of the house or whatever it might be. But I just think that's an amazing moment and the scriptures and the, the star and the circumstances lead them to Christ. In verse nine, the wise men went on their way and the star they had seen in the east, it says, guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, stopped over the place where the, where the child was, where Jesus was. And I would say that a trustworthy constellation of stars, of, of guidance that God uses, and this is a general but I think trustworthy constellation, is number one, be paying attention and looking at the circumstances of your life. Have your eyes open, the eye, like your actual eyes, but also your heart open to what is going on around you. Not just focus on everything. We live in such a hurry and worry and hustle and bustle world. Like, like it becomes like, like light pollution. Like we can't see the stars that God has put around us. And to notice the circumstances, that's a big one. Whether it's dreams or it's a star or it's people. Like it's interesting that even the enemies of Jesus become part of the constellation that leads the wise men to Jesus. God uses even our enemies sometimes to, to lead us to him. It's so cool. The second um, star in the constellation that I think is really trustworthy are the scriptures. We, we see that the circumstances with scripture, that's a really important one. And then thirdly, I think there's a piece of heart that the Holy Spirit gives us, like an internal um, piece of heart. And when it's circumstances, scripture, and peace of heart by the Holy Spirit, when those align, I think we can feel confident to move forward under the guidance of the constellation, leading us toward God, leading us to becoming who God has designed us to be. Um, and I think this world is full of stars in the east, uh, events in life, in nature, 
uh, in family, personal, historic things that go on. I think there's moments that point us toward the light and mystery of Jesus. Um, it might be something as simple as seeing a flower bloom that could be part of somebody's constellation that's pointing them toward God. Like, where does that come? Why, why do I even know that that is beautiful? Where does that even come from? Or a baby being born, or, or a new relationship, or a relationship being repaired and restored, or even the hard things, the, the painful bits of life can be part of our constellation. Would you agree? And some people might, they might look at the, you know, the sky and in our world where there's a lot of jaded people and very materialistic, and I'm not talking about like consumers buying things. I'm talking like they, people only want to believe in the physical things that you can touch, smell, see. You know, we disregard love and joy and some of those things that we can't really define as well. But many people will look up in the skies and say, oh, it's just, it's just all darkness. There's just nothing but space and darkness. Some people might look up and just see everything random, just all these random bits. There's no meaning. It's all random. But people of faith and people who start having faith start to see that there's stars and there's these constellations and they're guiding us. There's, there, there are things that God, people that God has put in our life to help lead us to him. Uh, a good example of this would be a friend of mine who uh, isn't a Christian. His wife is a Christian and uh, they love each other to death, but their one area of tension is this whole faith thing. And uh, she, she decided it's not good to badger my husband anymore about things. But one time she's like, I couldn't resist it. We were on our way up to Seattle and I don't know what it was. We were in some argument. I was like, when are you going to give God a chance? When are you going to really look at, at who God is and let him speak to you? He's like, I'll let God speak to me when he gives me a, a personal message, when he gives me a personal sign. And right at that moment, they were driving uh, with an overpass, and someone put down a big sign uh, that said, this is a sign from God. And he just looked over, and he said, you don't say a word. <laughs> Another example would be from my friends, uh, Brandon and Abby Wenzel. It was a year ago. I can't believe it. It's actually a year and a half ago. Last Christmas, we celebrated what we called, um, uh, it would take a miracle, and their little daughter had, um, had almost died. She was born septic, and the doctors thought she was going to die, didn't think she stood a chance. But day after day, with organs failing and all kinds of problems and no hope, um, the prayers of people and the power of God, this little girl um, made it. Total miracle. She's healthy. She's beautiful. This little girl in our church family, and we're just, it's blew everyone away. I remember in the middle, middle of that, before we knew what was going to happen, before we knew that she would make it, I remember talking with my friend Bill, who um, didn't identify as a Christian, uh, uh, he didn't identify as a Christ follower. We were sitting and talking over coffee, and I started telling him about the story. I was like, there's this little girl, her name's Lily, and she was born septic, and uh, doctors say there's really no chance, but we got our church communities praying for her, our community group, our whole, like people in our community, even people around the world are praying for this little girl, and she keeps making it past all these markers that they said she shouldn't. It's been pretty amazing, but, but it still seems pretty hopeless, and the weirdest thing happened, too. The week before she was born, septic, their house backed up, and, uh, and their house, the, 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 the basement was flooded with septic and destroyed the whole basement. And right now, there's people from our church and our community that are rebuilding the basement. And before I could go any further, Bill just said, hey, stop for a second. 
I, I think, and this is before he was identifying with Jesus, he said, I think that as those friends are rebuilding their house that was septic, I think God is going to rebuild her little body that was septic and save her. And I'm like this pastor, I'm like, oh yeah, totally, I saw that too. <laughs> he was seeing the constellation. Do you see what I'm saying? He was seeing it. In this world with all the tablets and all the lights and all the distractions, all the fears, all the anxiety, all the polarization, politically, religiously, socially, uh, ethnically, all the stuff that we see that can scare us. We can get so distracted that, that we're always looking down, we're always worried, we're always moving, and we never look up. Who are the people that God has put in your life to be your constellation. Um, I watched the movie recently about Mr. Rogers. It was called Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, you know, I didn't cry. My face was just wet after the movie. Um, and in, in the movie, uh, you're reminded that, that, that Fred Rogers, would, whether he was with an individual person or giving a speech, he would often do this practice where he would have people just for a moment of silence, like 60 seconds of silence, which would be, you know, like in our, you know, our world, people would be like, that's just terribly socially awkward. We should never do that moment of silence that long or 30 seconds or 15 seconds. And, and he would just say, think of the faces and the hearts. Think of the people who have made you who you are, who have loved you when others left you who have believed in you when no one else believed in you, who have helped you become who you are. Just take a moment to remember them. And, and, and he would, what he was saying was, think about the constellation that God has put in your life. And before I go any farther today in this sermon, I, would you be okay if we just took 15 seconds, I'll time it, 15 seconds, to think of the faces, the hearts, the constellation of people that God has put in your life who have shaped you and changed you, who love you. Can we do that for a moment? I'll, I'll time it. Um, ready? Go. I wonder what faces and relationships came to mind just now. Each and every one of us have been shaped by a constellation. And I think God is using that constellation to shape and change you, point you toward Jesus, pull us out of ourselves, like what they talked about in that original video, like reorient us and, and help us see that this isn't, the world doesn't revolve around us. And I, I also think maybe even some of your constellation is here with you right now. Maybe you were like, yeah, I got dragged here by so-and-so, but you're here and they love you. You know, I don't know your story, who, who it was, but this is kind of an aside. This wasn't like the main part of the sermon, but those people who came to your heart and to your mind, they came there for a reason. And tonight on Christmas Eve, 
sometime tonight, give those, that person a text and just tell them what they mean to you. Or give them a call. If they're here, just let them know. It's Christmas. You can be mushy on one day of the year, right? Let somebody know. The other thing I wanted to, to talk about and how we follow Jesus, how we follow Christ, is, is simply uh, this. To follow Christ, you have to have the heart to become a constellation for Christ. To become someone else's constellation. So simply what that means is be what others have been for you. Those, those faces, those people, those loved ones that you just thought of, how could you allow God to use your life to be that for somebody else, to love and to serve people? I, I love in Matthew 5.16, it says this, it says it this way, let your light shine before others. Isn't that beautiful? Let your light shine. Let your life be radiant before others. And it's, it's not so that people praise you and think how amazing you are, even though that might happen. It's not so they can say, oh, he's great here, but he's really bad here, or she's really bad here. Let your light shine before others. And then it says that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That when they see love in you, that they see that there's a love behind your love, that they see that there's a joy behind your joy, that there's a beauty behind the beauty, a truth behind the truth that points to God, the, the source of all love and light and good and creation, and that, 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 that we become like that planet that, that, that the light of the sun will refract and reflect off of to a world that's dark and, and hurting and pain. Let your light shine. If there's one thing I know about following Jesus, it's this. The more you move toward the light of Jesus, the more your life shines for Jesus. Amen? And that's how we become a constellation. All of a sudden, your light starts shining on this person and, and, and your story and your gifts shine and then someone else's shines and someone else's and it starts helping someone who might be lost or hurt or they're doing really well, but they, they still need guidance. And, and then you're, they let their, their light shine on you while your light's shining on them and you're helping guide each other. And I just think there's, there's a room filled with potential here. And constellation, a constellation is a community called toward Christ. We're not doing this alone. That God is using a, a community of people to create this beautiful picture of what God is doing in the world. A constellation confirms God's at work. When all of a sudden you see, oh, that's not random. There's something behind. That's what I needed to hear. This is what I need in my life. I didn't know I needed this, but this is what I need. God's guidance is confirmed. And lastly, a constellation connects people to Christ. The best example is here's the, the wise men. They see the star. They meet the enemies of Christ. And the enemies unknowingly lead them to Jesus. And in a dream, he saves Jesus. And there's this connection to Christ because they took one step like at one point they had to see the stars and they left their home they left where they were they left the comfortability of where they stood and they went into the discomfort of what could be and they began a journey of a thousand miles toward Jesus not knowing where it would end and what would happen and I think it's important that you that you know that it doesn't matter who you are 
where you've come from, what you've done, Christ invites all to follow his way, his life, his truth, to move toward the light of Christ. And wherever your people start moving toward the star of Jesus, they do Jesus things. The more we move together as, as, a, as a community of love, an inclusive community of love and truth, we shine as a constellation. We become this community of truth and love and grace, forgiveness. Um, I want to give you guys an example of a friend of mine who... Um, He's let his life be a constellation. His name's Samuel. He and his wife have become a constellation of life and light in Sierra Leone. Um, They do incredible things, and they don't have much of a budget. They just have trusted God. Samuel is the the president of a seminary and um, um, master's degree programs. He uh, is a pastor of a church, probably about the same size as our church. He, um, he, He and his wife run a a secondary school um, that teaches the basics, um, and it's got 600 kids in it. He lives in a, a largely Muslim community and village, and uh, they've got a waiting list of kids trying to get into his, his school. They're trying to build it bigger, and um, Muslim parents and families are on this wait list trying to get their kids into the school based on Christian principles because they know their kids will be loved, and they're going to get the best education in the area. Samuel and his wife also lead a, an organization that creates health care for the local community. They are a constellation, as, and there are partners in Sierra Leone. Would you just watch this video for a moment? My name is Principal Samuel Cabo. Uh, I serve as the president of the Evangelical College of Theology here. But also, I'm a pastor of um, Faith Baptist Church um, here in Freetown, and also I'm serving as the executive director for a non-governmental organization called Agape Development Initiatives. We started an, an orphan program called Kings, um, Kingship Redeemer. We started that just after the war in Sierra Leone. We've been running it now for the past uh, 12 years, and we have been able to bring back life and dignity to these orphans through um, educational assistance, and we care for their education from elementary right through university. We have now like four of um, students who have graduated and serving as members of parliament. We have others who are serving as bankers, managing businesses, you know, um, all over the place. We actually look at um, the aspect of um, having a program that is community-driven and also life-transforming, giving back dignity, not just to the orphans, but to um, their family members as well. You know, when you see children who are like in the ashes of their life and they've not been transformed, you know, their life being dignified, um, and, um, you know, for the first time we have like, um, you know, 12 of them now in university studying, and that gives us greater joy because we've helped them to break in some of the mountains of um, the peace uh, program, like illiteracy, you know, and some of these other things. And with their lives have been transformed, that gives us great joy. Samuel, his wife, their family, and their faith community have become constellations in their community. The more you move toward the light of Christ, the more the light of Christ shines through you. Amen? 
And we have a heart and a vision at our church to see personal transformation, local transformation, and global. And these are our global partners in Sierra Leone. And we're learning from Samuel. And, and we've got uh, leaders that Samuel is learning from. It's, it's amazing. And, and I know one thing. Uh, if, if, if we want to see transformation globally and locally in our community... We won't see it unless we have personal transformation. Unless people say, I want to move toward the light of Christ and I want, to, I want to let my life shine for Christ. With your gifts, your personality, how God made you. And we have so many different people with so many different callings in here. But what a beautiful constellation. And, and there is no reason that your life couldn't shine like his and his family. There's... There is a room filled with people that God has a plan and has gifts that he has given you that he wants to shine so people know his love. Amen? So what can we learn about constellations in this story? I want to close with these last thoughts. I think we learn about constellations in this story in, in these ways. Mary becomes a constellation in this story for pregnant and vulnerable moms. And it's a constellation that says God never abandons moms or kids who don't know who their earthly dads are and are abandoned in hard situations. God never abandons them. That's a constellation. There's a constellation through Joseph um, that shows us that that, that as, as an adoptive father, there's good news that that those who don't know who their real dad or their real mom is, is that the, God has a, the heart of an adoptive father. Joseph shows us that. There's good news for those who have lost their families and they don't feel like they have a family in this world. You have a heavenly family. God loves you. And for those families that are integrated and they're stepmoms and stepdads and, and, and they're trying to make it work and it's tough, like a constellation comes to Mary and Joseph showing us this, this family that's making it work. God has a heart for that. God doesn't just work in the ideal. He works in the ordeal. And Jesus' uh, enemies even become a constellation teaching us that God can use even our enemies who, are, who have bad intentions to lead us to Christ and toward Christ. Amen? And I love this. The outsider, astrologers, non-Jewish, people who shouldn't be part of this story, but God draws them in from miles and miles away. Uh, they become a constellation Uh, showing that other outsiders, non-Christians, people who don't know Jesus, people from totally different backgrounds can all start their journey with one step toward Jesus. And in a year, six months, a year, they look back at their life, they won't recognize themselves. That's what Jesus does. We see another constellation in Jesus and his family um, being homeless at birth and no room in the inn and no room in the world for Jesus. But God has created a home for us who feel homeless. It's a, there's a constellation in the story. And lastly, the story of Jesus' family fleeing to Egypt as undocumented immigrant family um, becomes a constellation for those who are looking for a, a safe place, a country, a kingdom where they can be loved and cared for and know this is their home. So how do we respond to the constellations of God? Herod and the religious leaders, they rejected. They wanted to to get rid of Jesus. He threatened them. 
the wise men saw and accepted the constellation. They saw a star rise and they left their homes one step at a time, not knowing exactly where they were going, just following, following, always following, looking for the next star, looking for the next step. And God guided them one step at a time. And that's what faith is. It's not just you're going to know everything. You don't know how everything in your life's going to turn out, but you can trust that, that Jesus will show up along the way and he will be with you. He's God, Emmanuel, God with us. The question is, are we with him? So here's three Steps of faith, simple steps of faith that you could take today. One is asking God to just help you see the constellation in your life. Help you see the stars. The other is becoming a constellation. Some of us might be half in and half out with our faith. And it's, it's like we know it's time to just go all in. I want to be all in for you, Jesus. I want to shine for you. I want to be what other people have been for me. And maybe today's your day to say, God, I'm all in. Use my life. Use my skills. Use all of me. And thirdly, maybe some of you are just, you're still exploring and you're not, you're not a person of faith yet. I want to encourage you, keep exploring. The journey of the wise men started with one step toward Jesus. Thousand, thousand miles away. I want to invite you back. If any and every one of you, I want to invite you back for our new series starting in January 5th. We're going to be doing a, a new series called uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And we're going to be um, teaching Jesus, his teachings on, on how to heal and bring health to our closest relationships. And I don't know about you, but I can always work on my relationships and what would happen if you just said, uh, for four weeks, it's like four hours, I'm going to commit to coming and growing healthy relationships. What would that do for you? What would you have to lose? I want to invite you back to that. The kids area is going to be starting a new series. It's going to be great for the kids. Um, I want to encourage you and invite you. And let me invite you now to a prayer of faith. If you've been moved at all and you're starting to see a constellation, there's a reason um, behind the things going on in your life, there's a reason you're here, would you just bow your head and just pray a simple prayer of faith, asking God to continue to guide you? Bow your heads with me if you would and pray this prayer in the quiet of your heart. God, thank you for sending constellations of people and circumstances into my life to guide me toward Jesus. God, would you please help me to clearly see the stars and constellations you have sent to guide me toward you and help me to use my life as a constellation of light so that I can shine for you. I love you, Heavenly Father. Amen.